6, verses 7 and 8. We'll do a little review from this morning and get right to the next part of our lesson. Galatians 6, 7 and 8. Be not deceived, the Apostle Paul says. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. He that sows to the flesh shall all the flesh reap corruption, but he that sows to the Spirit of God shall reap everlasting life. So this morning we were on the side of sowing to the flesh and sowing to sin. And we noticed uh, several main ideals. Mainly is that sin definitely has consequences. And we belabored that point, but it's, it's important to get that impact. Sin has consequences. And then we wondered together, why is it that many people live and think that they can sow and not reap sin and not have consequences? And then we talked about how that thinking that way ends up mocking God. And this morning, our final thought was that even though when we have been forgiven, there can still be the consequences of past sin. Forgiveness from God brings a lift of our burdens. Forgiveness from God brings a relationship with, with the Father, fellowship with Him. It enables us to be patient and help other people. It prevents us from entering more evil on down the road. It gives us a strong hope of heaven. There's nothing like forgiveness. We need it desperately. But even with forgiveness sometimes, there can be lingering consequences. We, we noticed some examples this morning from Moses and, and David, especially the Apostle Paul. He was forgiven totally of, of all of his opposition, all of his violence against Christ and and the people of Christ, and yet, oh, how it haunted him that he had done what he had done. And most of us can think in a similar way. Do you have, do you have regrets that just kind of all of a sudden come up with no warning whatsoever? I do sometimes. I think back about things that I should have done better and could have done and didn't do. I believe the Lord has forgiven me through his mercy and the blood of Jesus, but still, but still, that hole is in my soul. And it's a lingering <coughs> regret. And we have nothing else to do but to bring it to God and give it all uh, to him. But also it ought to motivate us to try our very best, our dead level best, to stay away from any and all sin. And so this evening we go to the other side of this here in Galatians 6, 7, and 8, and that is sowing to the Spirit of God. I'm more on a positive note a little bit this evening. Sowing to the Spirit of God. I'd like for us to consider sowing and investing. Sowing with investing. Because when we sow the seed, which is the Word of God, as you know, when we sow the seed, that is bringing a blessing to the world. There is no greater blessing than for a person and a group of people, than for a family to know the Word of God and live it out in, in life. That brings a tremendous blessing not only to the family, 
but to the world itself. Every scripture, Paul says, is inspired of God, 2 Timothy 3 and 16. It is profitable for doctrine and for reproof and for correction and instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto every good work. There's no greater blessing. And so please think of sowing this evening with me as somewhat of an investment. Investment. Going back, we mentioned Hosea this morning, chapter 10. On the negative side, we mentioned Hosea 10, 13, but right before Hosea 10, 13, surprisingly, it's Hosea 10, 12. But notice there, Hosea 10 in verse 12 says, He who sows to righteousness shall reap steadfast love. Therefore, break up your fallow ground. I believe fallow ground is ground that has not been tilled and plowed in quite a long time. And he's saying, you need to turn away from wickedness and you need to get back to sowing to righteousness. Okay, break up your fallow ground. Get back to sowing righteousness and you will reap the steadfast love of God. Now, when we think of investment, we think of someone who takes some resources that they currently have, usually we think of money, and they put that into a project or they put that into a company in the hopes of a greater return uh, in the future. And so we want to think in terms of spiritual investments uh, tonight when we think about sowing uh, to righteousness, spiritual investments. Everybody is investing into something. Just what is that? Just what is that? I've related to you before uh, several times that when I was younger, my dad coached our little league baseball team. And every year, every year, uh, we would have to go about, and I would follow my dad around, but we would have to go about different businesses and see if they can give us some money for uh, maybe some new equipment or especially uniforms. And there was this one particular fella, he owned a place called National Mattress. He's a bed place, Nas- National Mattress. And every year he was tickled to basically supply uniforms for, for uh, our team. And he would come out, the fella had no children of his own, but he would come out and watch the team practice. He would come out to the games. He would come out and talk to us, to us boys and tell us uh, stories. But you could tell the fellow wanted to make some sort of investment uh, into something that he would consider uh, good. So let's notice uh, five or six ideals together this evening. It can help us to sow to righteousness, to help us to make spiritual investments. Rule number one, rule number one is we must invest. That's just it right there. Rule number one, we must invest. We must do something good. We've got to do something good. We've got to put some seed in the ground. We've got we to gotta relate the word of God to someone. We must, we must do some investing. We must, we must make that commitment to do some good every day. All right. Lest we become drifters. Lest we become drifters. 
Hebrews 2 verse 1 warns us about this. Hebrews 2 verse 1 says, Therefore we need to give the more earnest heed to the things that we've heard, lest we drift. Lest we become drifters. You know what a drifter is. I always think of a piece of, of dead wood that's just out here on, on, on the lake or out here on the river. And that piece of dead wood is just being pushed by the waves or the wind or whatever may be coming by in the water. has no particular direction. And a lot of people live life that way. A lot of Christians even live life that way. They, they have no particular aim at doing good. It's just wherever and however life pushes them, then that's the way they go. They're, they're uncommitted. They're unconcerned. They're just... They're just drifting, drifting. So let us determine to, to invest something good into something good at least every day, to do, to do something, to do something. Yeah. We were in Numbers 32 this morning when Moses told the tribes of Gad and Reuben to be sure to go over and help the other brethren conquer the land and he said, if you don't go, be sure your sin will find you out. And I don't know what verse it is, but it's right there in Numbers 32. And it's before you get to Numbers 32, 23. So it's somewhere between Numbers 32, verse 1 and Numbers 32, verse 23. But Moses said to those tribes, he said, shall your brethren go to war and you sit here? He's trying to motivate them. You can't just sit here while the rest of your brethren go to war. And Moses is speaking to us here. Don't just sit there. Don't become drifters. Invest in something good every day. Every day. So, 1967. 1967 was a year. A good year. So, in that year, Muhammad Ali... He decided that because of his Muslim faith, he would not go and participate in the Vietnam War. That year, 1967, a man by the name of Jim Delegetti, he was the owner of a McDonald's in Pennsylvania. He created the world's first triple-decker burger, eventually called the Big Mac, 1967. In 1967, on the big screen, there was a movie called Kuhan Luke, Bonnie and Clyde. But also here in 1967, I wanted to bring this out to you, a man by the name of James Bedford, he's a 73-year-old psychology professor. He died of kidney cancer, but he became the very first person to ever to be cryonautically preserved, cryonically preserved. In other words, he had his body frozen at a minus 196 degrees Celsius in hopes of being revived later and to be much better. wonder how that turned out for him. But a lot of people are frozen in their souls. They're not doing anything to make some sort of good impact in the world. They're like Jesus described in Revelation 3, 16. They're neither cold nor hot. And Jesus said of those Christians, he wanted to spew them out of his mouth. 
They're like what Paul speaks of in 2 Timothy 3, verses 5 and 6 and 7. He says, some have a, a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. You know, we don't want to be that way. We want to be, we want all the time, we want to be fighting this drifting uh, business. We want to be like Romans 12, uh, 11 and says, be fervent in spirit. That's how we want to be. You remember in Acts, Acts 17, 16, Paul was there in the city of Athens and he began to see how, how converted to, to idolatry that city was and he was stirred in his spirit. We want to be provoked in our spirit to get out and do something good. Paul said, I can't just sit here. I got to get out here and talk to somebody about all of this, this ignorance that is taking place. So let us fight this drifting business all that we can. Titus 2 verse 14 says we need to be zealous, zealous of good works. You see, it's, it's not right for us to, to moan and groan about the conditions of the world and then not try to do something, do something about it. Speaking of doing something, okay. speaking of doing something, we mentioned in the bulletin uh, this week that in the conference room there's some supplies and you can take supplies like what's in the conference room and you can create, create little goodie bags or goodie baskets and, and so many of you are, are receiving um, your groceries and, and your, your shopping being delivered right up to your front door nowadays and other items being delivered to your front door and what if you just try to have a blessing uh, for that delivery person. Uh, that would be something very good. You could even put some information about the church in there. And you just never know. But the idea is that you're trying to bring a blessing to the world every day. So the first rule is to, is to invest. Second rule this evening, as we think about sowing and investing, our second rule is we must invest in the right things. We must invest in the right things. To be pleasing to God, it's got to be the right things. Okay, the, spiritual, the spiritual matters. Okay. Why do we exist as Christians? Well, to make disciples. That's what Jesus says in, in Matthew 28 and in verse 19. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And I am with you, I'm, I'm always with you, uh, even to the end of the world in this, in this endeavor. That's why we exist. We need to invest in resources that will help us to do this, uh, such as what Jesus says in, in Luke 19, or what is said about Jesus in Luke 19, 10, that he, he came to seek and save that which was lost. We, mu we must invest in resources that will help us to do just, just that very thing. Or as Paul says in Romans 6, Verse 17, he says, God be thanked that whereas you were the servants of, of sin, you now, in your obedience to the truth, okay, you have become servants of righteousness. See, that's, that's what sowing's all about. Becoming servants of righteousness. Romans 6, verse 18. Servants of sowing to righteousness. Okay. And we need to invest in those things that will help us uh, do just just that very thing. Well, in other words, in other words, 
we must think, let's think about four corners of a square. Okay. Why do we exist? Well, to evangelize or to reach out to people who do not know the Lord. Okay. And then we, a second corner of the square would be to educate, to educate, to help ourselves come more familiar with Scripture and help anybody that we can become more familiar with Scripture. That's why we exist. And then we also exist to, to encourage, to build up other people uh, in the faith. And we also exist to help the poor, to help the poor. Turn with me to uh, 1 Timothy uh, chapter 6 for a second and notice how Paul speaks of spiritual investment, investments in 1 Timothy 6, beginning in verse uh, 17. 1 Timothy 6, beginning in verse uh, 17. He says, For as for the rich, as for the rich in this present age, this present world, charge them that they be not haughty, nor set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but rather set their hopes on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good. Notice these spiritual investments. They are to do good. They are to be rich in good works. They are to be generous and ready to share, thus uh, storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may be able to take hold of that which is truly life. Now, this is what parenting really is all about. Investing in resources that will help your children do these four things. Okay? Evangelize, edify, educate, and reach out to the poor and be ready to share. Okay? Parents, be careful. Make sure you're investing in the, in the right resources to get this done. Okay? Let's be careful. Parents, be careful about the devil's lies. Okay, the devil's lies. It's been related, uh, I remember it was related to me when I was younger. The three biggest lies of the devil are these. Number one, that you can sin without consequence. Number two, sex outside of marriage is okay. And number three, that success is to be defined by money. Three biggest lies of the devil. You can sin without consequence. Sex outside of marriage is okay. And success, notice that one especially, success can be defined in terms of money. That's a great lie of the devil. Okay. As you can see here, we just read from 1 Timothy chapter 6 and 17, don't set your hope on the uncertainty of riches. Don't do that. And parents... Don't lead your children that way. Many parents, even Christian parents, will invest and invest thousands and thousands of dollars into worldly success and then their children lag behind spiritually. Parents, be careful. Be careful. And we parents, we need to be careful about thinking that spiritual matters are just too expensive just too expensive. Okay. It's a matter of priority, really, isn't it? Okay. Church camp is too expensive, but now cheer camp is a must. That's how that goes sometimes. 
Everything is expensive. It's just a matter of where our heart is, right? It's just a matter of where our heart is. Be careful in thinking that spiritual matters are too. Is it too expensive? Is there any particular price you can put on a soul? We would gladly give every dime we have to make sure our children go to heaven. Parents, be careful. Parents, be careful because we don't want our children just hanging out at church. Our goal is not for just to have them at church. That falls, that falls way below God's design for our children. We, we want to so invest that they will, be, they will be taking the light of Jesus and crashing into the darkness of this world. We want spiritual resources that will create leaders for Christ and not simple, simply followers of the world. So we need to invest the right things. Third rule, third rule in this sowing and investing is that a good investor, he wants the best return for his investment. investment. A good investor wants the best return. Our goal is the best return. Okay. The most valuable payoff is what you're looking for. You might have heard of this fellow, Warren Buffett. And he said the number one rule in investing is to never lose money. And the second rule is to never forget the first rule. He wanted the best, the most valuable payoff for any of his investments. And spiritually speaking, we can have that. Be turning with me, please, to Mark chapter 8. Let's read a couple of verses together along these lines. Mark chapter 8, looking down to around verse number... 35. Here we go. Mark chapter 8. <coughs> Starting in verse 34, Jesus called to him the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Whoever will save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's sake will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his own life? What can a man give in return for his life? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with all the holy angels. You see, we have the greatest return because we get two things. When we invest in spiritual resources in regard to our children, in regard to anyone that, that we're able to, to have an impact upon in regard, in regard to ourselves, our families, okay, we have the two greatest things. First of all, eternal life. And secondly, knowing our true purpose of why we're here while we're here. Okay. We're here simply to find the Lord and to do His will. Okay. To be servants of His. Notice what is said here in Mark 8. Whoever will lose his life for my sake and the gospel, he will find it. Find what? Find the real true meaning of life. There's, there's no money. There's no money 
that can replace those two things. Okay. Your true purpose and eternal life. And that's what we're fighting for. We're fighting for the, for the most valuable payoff, the, the highest return that we can get. That's what we're fighting for when we invest into uh, spiritual resources. So rule number three is we're aiming for the, the most valuable payoff, the highest uh, return. Rule number four is you have to sacrifice if you expect to have a return. You have to sacrifice. An, invest, an investor will sacrifice what he has, currently has, what he currently has in expectation of receiving a greater return on down the road. We must sacrifice. Jesus tells us that. We just read it there in Mark chapter 8 that if you're going to come after me, you've got to deny yourself. Okay? Take up your cross and follow me. You've got to lose your life. Okay? You've got to be willing uh, to, to really pay the cost. Okay? It costs Christians before Christians can expect to gain anything. Christians, all of us must realize that it's going to cost before we can get gained. In other words, God never brings a blessing until there's first a sacrifice. God demands the sacrifice first and then the blessing. Jesus said it this way in Luke 6, 38, Give and it shall be given unto you. And Paul constantly did that with his life and with his, his money and his means and his time, his energy. And we got... Three big things we can give the Lord. Okay. We got our time, we've got our energy, and we've got our money, our resources to give to the Lord. Paul said it like this in 2 Corinthians 12, 15. He said, I will gladly spend and be spent. I don't know how you sum it up any better. I will spend what I have, and then I will allow the Lord to do what he would have, what he wants to do with me in service to him. Let me read to you another passage that Paul speaks in these, in these terms in Philippians chapter 2. This time in about verse 17. Philippians 2, 17. Paul says, Brethren, even if I am poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. You see what he says there? If I am poured out as a, as a drink offering, as a sacrificial offering for your faith, if it, if it takes me being completely sacrificed to lose my life even, if losing my life means your faith grows, then I am glad to offer it and let's all rejoice together. First it takes to sacrifice before we can expect God to bless us and return us with that which we hope. Let's be turning now as we close down here. The one passage, one more passage, and we'll make two points out of this passage. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, we'll read from verses 6 to 10, and we'll make just the final two points on this passage. Okay. In review, let's remember this. We must invest. We must invest in the right things. We must invest in those things that bring the highest and most valuable, valuable return. We must sacrifice if we expect have the returns that God wants us to have. 
Then let's read here in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9. And Paul's wisdom when it comes to giving up things for our Lord. Beginning in verse uh, 6, 2 Corinthians 9, he says, The point is this, brethren, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has made up his mind, not a reluctant giver, nor under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work, as it is written, verse 9, 2 Corinthians 9, as it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread to the food will supply, multiply, multiply your seed for sowing and increase your harvest of righteousness. Two points there. When we invest and sow, let us do it bountifully. Let us not hold back. Let us not hold back. Why would we ever hold back? Did the Lord hold back when he came and gave himself for us? Did he hold back anything? He freely gave it to us. Okay. If he spared not his son, Romans 8, 32, shall he not also with him give us all things that we need? The Lord did not hold back. Let us give bountifully. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Paul said, Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding, abounding in the work of the Lord. Paul to the brethren at Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 4 beginning in verse 1 he says finally brothers we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you have received from us how you ought to live and to please God just as you are doing that you may do so more and more. He commends them. You're doing really good. As you have received salvation from Jesus, you've been increasing in good works. We urge you now to do more and more. He that sows bountifully shall reap in a bountiful way. He that sows generously shall reap in a generous way. Let us not hold back as we sow the seed, as we, as we sow righteousness. And then the final point is we can trust the Lord in our investment. We can trust the Lord in our investment. Did you notice what Paul says here in 2 Corinthians 9? What God is able to do. He is able. It says that several times. He is able. He is able. He gives seed to the sower and he supplies and multiplies your seed for sowing. God is the great multiplier. We know him. Last Sunday night we talked about God being being the adder to the church, God's also a multiplier. And we remember Jesus, those times that he took the small amount of fish and bread and was able to feed thousands. <coughs> 4,000, 5,000, 6,000, 7,000 people. Just a, just a morsel of meat. Just a, just a little bread. 
God is the great multiplier. So as we invest in Him, then He will make sure that our investment returns in a great way. And so these six simple points about sowing to righteousness, sowing to the Spirit of God. Let us be sure to invest. Let's don't become drifters. Let's sow in spiritual matters in the right things. Okay. Let's be sure we know where the, the highest return is. Of course, that's, that's in regard to our eternal soul and, try, and finding a true purpose in life. And then let's be sure to know that there's sacrifice involved in investing. And then finally, these two points, let us not sow sparingly, but let us sow with great confidence and trust in our God. He who sows to righteousness will reap the steadfast love of the Lord. Let us believe that. As we close here, Let's go back to our Lord Jesus for a second. Think about what did he invest in? Well, he said on occasion, the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. The foxes have their holes, the birds have their nests, but the Son of Man had nowhere. He didn't invest in homes. He was known to be rather poor. His family was poor. He come from the most glorious place known. He come from heaven. Why? He invested himself in you and me. His investment is in people, but not just anybody, in you, in me. Paul says in Galatians 2, verse 20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life that I live in the flesh, I, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me, gave himself for me. There's the Lord's investment. And we can do no greater than the Lord than to invest in people spiritually so that we can be his servant. It could be that there's someone here this evening. Maybe you are struggling with some of those regrets we're here as a family of God to, to pray and to, to study together and to comfort and exhort, encourage one another. It may be that, that you need a, a hand of comfort tonight, a special prayer tonight. Sin can really do a number on our souls. Perhaps with your sin, you've never come to God for forgiveness. That can be that can be a real possibility. That's why the Bible is the Bible. That's why we are here. That's why we exist to help make disciples. If you are in need of forgiveness from God, then you can make that known this evening as well. Will you come right now as we stand together, as we sing?